Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. And I know a lot of times we like to run the show, but we have to get to the place where we let God take his rightful position in our lives. If we're going to have peace, if we're going to have victory, God must be on the throne of our hearts. The race is not won by the swift, but it's won by those who just keep walking. If you want the walls to fall down in your life, just keep going. Just keep marching. Just keep serving. Just keep giving. Just keep witnessing. Just keep loving God. Just keep walking. Amen. Romans 15. Romans 15, and uh, I was just going to read one verse of Scripture. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Amen. Good crowd in here this morning for the adult Bible study. Looks fantastic. All right. Romans 15, beginning in verse number 1 says this, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. And then verse 4, Paul writes, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Amen. I want to talk to you just for the next little bit on this title, simply, Walls Fall Down. Walls fall down, and you may fall down in your seats right now. Amen. Who here this morning would agree with me and Dorothy that there is no place like home? Yes, okay, there is, there is no place like home. It, it is, it's home. In fact, there are people that are not even here today because they love home so much. (laughs) There is just something about being home. Uh, We love to go on vacations. We love to travel. uh, We love to, you know, get away and sort of disconnect from everything. But by by the time vacation is wrapping up, maybe even just a little before, we start talking about being so ready to just get back home. There, there's something about it. There's something about coming home. Again, it's, it's your home. Like, this is my home. Now, here's the thing. Your home may not be uh, magnificent. It, it may not be uh, 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 this amazing piece of property. Uh, it may not be a mansion, but you know what it is? It is yours. It's, it's your home. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Like, this is 
my home, you know, and, and it doesn't matter even if you even if you are off to college and you have roommates, you know, somebody you have to share your apartment with, you still have your space like this is my space. Nobody touched my stuff over here. This is my spot. This is my little area. That's my cabinet. That's my spot in the fridge. Maybe you even have that at home. I don't know. You know, this is my shelf. You know, they say that at your home, home is where you can, you can just let your guard down. You can just completely let down. It's actually proven to be very therapeutic uh, to, to be home. It's where you are uh, fully yourself. You know, I, I love being home. Uh, I, I love the scent of home. Do you know your home has a scent? It has a smell? Is it a good? No. <laughs> The sad thing is you're not the judge of that. Somebody else is. But your home has a scent. My dad's house has a, has a, a scent. It's something, it always reminds me of like Tennessee or something. You know, like the whole state of Tennessee smell, smells like roasted almonds and stuff, pecans and stuff that, you know, I've been, what are they, how do they, they're just cinnamon and, and almonds and pecans. That's what the whole state of Tennessee smells like. And it reminds me of that when I go over to my dad's house, he, there's this scent to his home. Um, you know what else is great about homes? Drop spots. The place where you put your stuff. Okay. I love drop spots. And here's the thing. They are usually not planned. They just evolve. Okay. Ask my wife. They just evolve. It's like, that's where I put my keys at. That's where I put my loose change at. That's where I put uh, my shoes at. That's where my gym bag goes right there. Okay? And I will sometimes, okay, listen up, ladies. A man has his drop spots. And they are important. I know it might be in the middle of the room. But it is planned. It is calculated. That's where I wanted to put my stuff. I always go to the same spot for my stuff. I always go to the same place. Sure, it might be on the dishwasher where all of our guests can come in and see that that's where my chapstick sits and that's where my change goes and all that stuff. And it might be in the middle of the kitchen where, but that's where I put my stuff. It's my home. I love the drop spots. Here recently, my wife, she has decided to purge the house. <laughs> to, to purge. Get to stay? Yeah. <laughs> She's not done. She's not done. To purge, to rid of whatever is impure or undesirable. You know, to cleanse, to purify, to, to clear, to free. That's what she has been doing for the last month or so. And so if our trash man is listening to this on podcast, I sincerely apologize for the bags that have weighed more than normal here lately. My wife has literally thrown away two bedrooms in the whole process. <laughs> She, she's not here today, so I, you know, I can you know, say this and stuff, but she thought it was a great idea to go out and get a commercial-sized trash bag 
to fill everything up. That's a great idea because you can fit a lot of stuff in. What the bad side, the downside is the old Brycey boy has to then carry that out. And there was no carrying, there was dragging. I mean like this, all the way out to the trash can. Purge. Is our house more in order? Absolutely, but I can't find anything. <laughs> I can't find my stuff. She took it. So here's what she did. She's, she listened to this podcast talking about, you know, getting your house in order and things like that. And we could all be honest this morning. There's stuff that we just literally need to throw away. Like, why do we still hold on to, you know, 30 shower caps or something? Not shower caps. That's not what we hold on. I'm just throwing out something out there, but... You know, there's some stuff that we need to, to clean out. And she took it room by room, saving the best for last, the playroom. Toys, <laughs> toys have a way of taking over. Uh, and I know that it starts very innocently, innocently enough. You know, you love your kids and you want to please your kids. You want to make them happy. But before you know it, you find yourself standing knee deep in discarded Legos and and a car that's missing two wheels and a GI Joe that has one arm. That's what you find yourself knee deep in that junk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I touching somebody's heart today? So this is the last purge. This last purge is a major purge. Six years worth of toys. Now, in order to accomplish this one, we had to distract the boys, mainly because Easton, he is a hoarder, and he would never throw anything away. Nothing. If it was left up to him, he's keeping every toy that comes into his possession. And, and so whatever distraction we had picked failed majorly because it was in no time, and both boys were there in the playroom. And Eason's got this great idea a lot of times. He's like, hey, Dad, let's go clean the playroom, which means, Dad, you clean the playroom, and I'll sit over here, and I'll decide what you need to pick up, and I'll play with these toys. That's his way of cleaning the playroom. So we didn't want them in there at all, uh, but here they come, and Easton starts in right away, recognizing what bag we were going to send to donation, and then what toys we were going to keep, and so there he is checking out all the toys and stuff, like, okay, they're getting rid of those, and we're keeping those, and he's like, why are we getting rid of those? You know, he, he's fixated on the toys that we're going to give away, and he, and he, and he, and he cries out, mom! You can't get rid of these. I still play with them. First of all, he says that about every toy. Okay, literally, he was probably holding up a piece of plastic that no one could even figure out what it goes to or what it even is. Uh, you know, and he says, I still play with this one. And Mallory responds, you haven't played with these toys in months. And I think when she said that, she was actually being a little generous because I don't know if he has ever played with them. But to him, he still plays with them. He's a little upset at this point, And he responds, he says, Mom... You cannot get rid of these toys. Why, Easton? He says, because I, I just want to remember the past. <laughs> I just want to remember. He's six years old and he has a past. You know, going through school, I remember history being one of my favorite subjects, and it still is today. And 
History is important in that it reveals all the past. And, and the past is there for you and I to look at it, to examine it, to study it, and to learn something from it. And in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul, he assures us, he says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and uh, the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. And so with, with looking at that, that being said, I, I look back to an Old Testament story. Uh, an old story that was recorded in Joshua chapter 6. A, a, a story that vividly demonstrates the miraculous power of God. The, the people of Israel had just crossed over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. And this was the land of milk and honey that God had promised Abraham over 500 years earlier. And after spending 40 difficult years wandering in the desert, the people of Israel were now on the eastern banks of the Jordan. And their challenge was to take the land of Canaan, to, to take the promised land. However, they ran across the problem. Their, their very first obstacle was the city of Jericho which was known as an unconquerable walled city. Scholars tell us that the city was surrounded by two great stone walls, and the outer wall was 20 feet tall and 6 feet wide, and the inner wall was 30 feet tall and 12 feet wide. And these two walls were separated by 15-foot-wide guarded walkways, and the city only covered about 9 acres, but it must have looked like an impossible city to conquer to people who fought with only spears and swords swords and arrows. You see, Jericho was a big hindrance to Israel. It stood as an obstacle between them and the rest of the promised land. And before they could ever go deeper into the land that the Lord had given them, Jericho must first had to be defeated. Before Jericho could be defeated, the walls that surrounded it had to come down. Israel could go no further until Jericho was destroyed. Israel could go no deeper in their walk with God until Jericho was destroyed. The city stood before them as a barrier between them and God's best for them. And if they were going to get all that God had for them, those walls had to be torn down. So here you and I are. And I believe that we are living in the last days. And I also believe that it is the enemy's desire because he knows that time is short. He knows that time is running out. I believe that it's his desire to do whatever he can to get something in between you and God. To place a barrier, to place a wall in between us and God. And one thing I can see just by observation is that he is trying everything he possibly can to accomplish this task because he knows that time is short. 
A wall that will separate us from receiving God's best is what he is constructing in these last days. And it could be any little thing. It could be anything that's going on. It could be some sin that stands between us and God. It might be some old hurt in the past that has grown into a root of bitterness, perhaps. It could be a a, a cold and indifferent spirit. It, it, It could be even an attitude that he will work on to try to build up this barrier barrier between you and God but whatever it is it is standing before you today and it is keeping people from going deeper in the will of God so I submit to you today that walls must come down in order for us to go deeper in our walk with God and in our relationship with God walls must fall down Joshua chapter 5 we find Joshua doing some reconnaissance work on the city of Jericho. He is alone and he's trying, he's busy trying to devise a plan to overcome the walls that surrounded the town. How many of you just like, you like to get away when something needs to be accomplished? Like you like to get by yourself when you're trying to figure some of that. Anybody else like that? Or can you just end the whole thing, everything that's going on, kids pulling your hair out, can you just figure it out? Some of you are super moms and super dads, and maybe you're able to do that. But I like to go, and I like to get in my office, and I like to close that door, and I like to lock it. I put on my noise-canceling headphones, and I don't hear. I told Mano last night, I said, I'm going in the office. I'll have my headphones on. If you need me, text me, because I can't hear the banging on the door. Sometimes you just need to get away to figure some things out. You just need to get alone and get by yourself and try to figure something out. And that's where Joshua was. He is alone, and he's busy trying to devise a plan to overcome the walls of that city. No doubt he is confused and concerned, and he has no idea about what he needs to do. And then all of a sudden, Joshua meets a man who is standing with his sword drawn in his hand, And Joshua confronts this man and asks him to declare whether he is for them or against them. This stranger responds not by answering the question, but by identifying himself. And Joshua quickly realizes that this is no ordinary meeting. This is a manifestation of God and he has come ready for battle. And I love the way that Joshua reacts. He reacts by falling on his face and worshiping. You see, Joshua might have understood the truth that he may have been the commander of Israel's armies, but he was standing face to face with the commander of everything. You see, Joshua understood this, and and he humbled himself in the presence of God and clearly demonstrated that he understood just who really was in charge. Can I help somebody today and tell you that what was inside of Joshua needs to be inside each and every one of us? There has to be an ultimate authority in our lives. We have to acknowledge that authority, and the authority is Jesus Christ, and we are called to seek you first the kingdom of God and I know a lot of times we like to run the show but we have to get to the place where we let God take his rightful position in our lives if we're going to have peace if we're going to have victory God must be on the throne of our hearts 
God expects his people to recognize his authority and to bow before him in total surrender and in total humility. I submit to you today that if you want the walls to come down in your life, you got to be willing to step back and allow God to be God and let him be the one that is calling the shots in your life. Let him be the one that's giving you direction. Let him be the one that is leading you and guiding you. I love the way that Joshua responded. He responded by falling at his feet, bowing before the Lord that stood before him. He was obviously surrendering himself. Joshua placed himself in, in, in a position of helplessness before the Lord. It's as if Joshua is saying, Lord, I am your servant. Do with me what you will. If you want to use me, if you want to bless me, if you want to kill me, whatever you want to do, I just want to know that I am yours. And church, that is what God is looking for. He's looking for us to place our all in his hands and just trust him to do what is best. He is looking for people who quit trying to fight their own battles and win their own victories when we understand that if God be for us, who can be against us? if we would just find our rightful position and let him be in his rightful spot. God is looking for people who will completely sell out to him to let him have everything. Sadly, this does not describe a lot of people today. And it's simply due to the fact that we like control. We love it. We got to have it. We like to call the shots. We like to be the boss. And we like to make the decisions. We like to have the control. You know what the Bible says? Psalms 46 and 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I don't know about you, but I have never had any success trying to boss someone around while attempting to trust them simultaneously. I've never been successful at that. Trying to be in control and relinquishing control at the same time just does not work. They can't coexist inside the same heart. And when we let God drive our lives and trust Him that He knows best, we are able to rest and to stop striving, which means that we will ultimately experience the peace that He has for us. In the original Hebrew language, the phrase be still, or in another version says this, cease striving. It indicates giving up by letting our hands down. Let your hands down. Interesting, huh? Very. This means that you can't hold the steering wheel and let God drive at the same time if you want to experience the peace that comes from trust. No, 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 no. You've got to let your hands down. Friend, you've got to let go of the will. That's what God needs. That's what God wants. People just to be still and know that he is God. To trust him with everything. To know that he sits on the throne and he is in control of all things. And he has your best interest at heart. 
But most of the time, that's not the case. Because not being in, in control, it gets us a little on the edge of our seats. We can't seem to just let go of the steering wheel. And it shows. It shows in defeat. It, 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 it shows in a lack of peace. It shows in, in a lack of joy. It shows in, in our being less than we could be for God. But church, I'm trying to help somebody today. We've got to get to the place where we literally give up. The place where we place everything, our lives, our careers, our dreams, everything in the hands of a loving Savior. And we trust Him to do with us what He will. Just to trust Him, just to take Him at His word. To know that He's faithful. Scripture goes on to say that Joshua removes his shoe. And he hands it over to the Lord. It's interesting, that's what, where Moses found himself. The place where you're standing is holy ground. You need to remove your shoes. Joshua removed his shoes and hands them over. That is an Old Testament way of saying, I can't do this, but I know that you can. I can't accomplish this, but I know, you see, Joshua, Joshua at this point had given up on his plans. He had turned all of the authority to the one who is really in charge. And he doesn't know what God's going to do. He doesn't know the plans that God has, but he just chose to trust that God was going to do right. He had placed a, 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 a it reached a place of total surrender. He's given up on his plans, his strength, his ability, his thoughts and now he's just resting and looking for God for all of the victories. Church, we have got to come to the place where we place our all at his feet, where we have stopped struggling and are simply just resting in his ability and in his strength and his authority. Do you understand this morning? That is where our strength comes from. That is where our peace comes from. That is where our joy comes from. Why not rest in him? Why not rest in his ability? He is able today. This is probably one of the hardest places to reach. But it's so important in seeing walls fall down in your life. I don't know what your wall looks like. I don't know what your Jericho looks like. But I know that we have to get to this place where we put it in the hands of God. Where we spiritually take off our shoes and we hand them over to Him and say, God, I can't, but I know that you can. So now Joshua has totally surrendered himself to the will of God. And God tells him how to go about defeating the city. And this is where things get a little strange if you're reading the story. <clears throat> At first, it seems like a pretty unusual plan. And I think it sounds so strange because it's just so simple. 
I think it sounds so unusual because it's just so simple. All God told him was basically this. Just trust me. Just trust me. Joshua, just trust me. That's basically what the plan boiled down to. You see, God did not bring Israel out of Egypt just so they could fall at Jericho. He saved them to walk in victory all the way to Canaan. Church, let me tell you today, God did not save you so that you could walk around every day of your life in defeat. No, my friend, he saved you so that you could walk in victory. The Bible says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. And God is saying to us today, just trust me. Just trust me. If you want the victory in your life, if you want the walls to fall down, it's as simple as just following the plan that God has set for your life. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord today? It's as simple as just obeying his word, obeying his plan. People all over the place looking for this victorious life, trying to figure it out. But that's the problem. They're trying to figure it out and they're not placing it in the hands of God. Yes. You want me to tell you how to figure it out? Put it in his hands. You trust him. You've got it figured out. It's as easy as that. Even though it was a simple plan, it kind of sounded a little strange. You have to remember Joshua was a soldier. There there was, in this plan, there there was no talk of armor. There was no talk of soldiers or spears or swords. There was no talk of secret weapons, tanks, assault rifles, or hand grenades. There was no Alpha Romeo Whiskey Charlie. Okay, there was none of that going on. But here's what God's plan involved. It involved the Ark of the Covenant. It involved the priest and the trumpets and people. God said, Joshua, take the Ark. Have seven priests blowing seven ram's horn trumpets. Go before it and have them blow those trumpets. Then have the rest of the people follow along behind. Don't say a word. Don't shout. Don't talk people of the city. Don't even speak. Just walk. Walk once around the city every day for six and then do it seven times on the seventh and when you finish that last lap he said I want you to stop and I want you to shout the victory and the walls will fall flat down now from a human standpoint this makes absolutely no sense from a from a military standpoint this makes no sense From a logical standpoint, it makes no sense. Yet, it is what God said to do. And strange plans call for strong faith. Strange plans call for strong faith. Can you imagine the people of Jericho with these people just walking around the city walls? Can you imagine the people of Israel, what they endured as they march? Probably some, probably some ridicule. That's what the people were facing. Maybe even danger, but most definitely 
humiliation. Here's the deal. God's plan, strange, simple, unusual. He's a soldier hearing all these words that God is saying. Here's what the plan boils down to. You know what it boils down to? Walking. 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 This plan had no input from the people. All they had to do was walk. God did not have them all fill out a form and write down what special skills they possessed, what weapons they were good at, that, that were they athletic, were they strong, what abilities they had, how fast could they run the 40. No, 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 no. All they had to do was walk. I just want to say to somebody here this morning, just keep walking. Oh, but Bryce, you don't know my situation. Just keep walking. Oh, I failed God, but just keep walking just keep walking I can sit here all morning all day and talk to you about friends of mine close friends that have stopped serving God people that I would have never dreamed of people that I looked up to but somewhere along the way you know what happened they just decided to stop walking Church, the race is not won by the swift, but it's won by those who just keep walking. If you want the walls to fall down in your life, just keep going. Just keep marching. Just keep serving. Just keep giving. Just keep witnessing. Just keep loving God. Just keep walking. Hebrews 10 and 36 says, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Another version says it like this, for you have need of endurance. Everybody say endurance. You have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Endurance. Endurance. You just keep walking and walls fall. I think one of the secrets to living the successful Christian life is this. Hear me right now. You can't do it by yourself. It's not about what you can do. It's all about what he can do. It's all about learning to abide in Jesus. And drawing your strength from him. I believe the Christian life can be condensed into that one word. Abide. Abide. Just abide. Church, if we can learn to do that, I believe walls fall. I believe chains become broken. I believe strongholds are gone. If we can just learn to abide in Him. 
even when life makes no sense. Even when it's, God, I don't get it. You just abide in Him. You just trust Him. The people found out, found out, they found that out when they do things God's way, God's way, that He gives the victory. Church, they marched around that city, blowing those trumpets for six days, and nothing happened. On the seventh day, they did it, and nothing happened. Then they lifted up their voice voice in a victorious shout, and the Bible says that the walls came crashing down. And they were able to enter the city and to claim the victory that God had for them. I ask you, is there anybody surprised that His way worked? No. I know that sometimes life throws you curveballs and a lot of times things just don't make sense. But if we just keep walking, church, God's going to bring us out on the other side. Stop trying to do it all by yourself. We serve a big God today. Would you stand with me this morning? They walked around the city for six days. Six. They shouted one day. Six days of walking, one day of shouting. You don't want to know where the power of your shout comes from? It comes from your walk. Yes, yes, yes. Just yes. keep walking. Yes. Just press on. Church, the race is not won to by the swift or the strong, but he who endures, who fights the good fight, who finishes the race and who keeps the faith can lay claim to the promises of God and obtain a crown of righteousness. Let me tell you that in these last days of compromise and lukewarm Christianity, God is looking for some people who will just press on. God is looking for some people who will say, I will not quit. I have put my hand to the plow and I'm not looking back. I will keep walking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will press on. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.